Inspiration, Adventist Reflections. Now, to discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Denzi. Hi, family. Welcome back to the Adventist Reflections Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Daniel chapter 9. You might be wondering, where were you with Daniel chapter 9 when we needed it? We're here right now. Reality is that both Zenia and I, we have been quite, quite busy, but we're happy to be here today and um, bringing some of these ideas that we found in the book of Daniel as we progress. So, Zenny, welcome back. How are you today? Good, Dan. Excellent. The COVID-19 has taken the yes. world, um, I don't know if we will call it by surprise, but definitely it's been a bit of a, a hard hit around everywhere almost around the globe. So um, yes. if you are listening to this and you're in one of those countries who are being severely affected, you know, we're praying for you. It might not be as much as what you need, but we hope that you find refuge in knowing that things like Daniel 9 point back to something that will stop all of this suffering at some point in time, eventually anyways. Now, Zeni, we are back to this uh, idea of, of, of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. And um, we, we talked about Daniel chapter 8. You introduced to us the idea that um, Daniel chapter 8 is no doubt linked to the sanctuary, the the sacrifice, the expiation, the judgment that was coming. And, and, and you beautifully guided us through the process that indeed, Daniel, when you look at the whole book, there is always some judgment taking place, some some decision being made. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's where we left it in Daniel chapter yes. 8. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's pick it up where we left it off. Okay. Okay. So what do yeah. we have now? Yeah, look, we left Daniel at the end of the chapter, and when you look at verse 27, he says that he was exhausted, he was sick for several days, mm-hmm. then he said he got, he got up and started to work, Yeah, but he, was still, he said he was still appalled by the vision, and he said it was beyond his understanding. So even though he got a vision, he said, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Right. You know. But then once you go into chapter nine, what you find in the very first verse, mm-hmm. you have something opposite. It says, I Daniel understood. Ah. Okay. So we see him not understanding, but then suddenly in verse one he says, I understood something. Okay. And look what it says in the first year of, of reign, verse two of his reign or the reign of Darius, mm-hmm. which is uh, 538. Yes. I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. That's really important. So he says, I was reading the Bible. Okay. So, but so he's reading from Jeremiah and it seems as if Daniel uh, encounters this text in the book of Jeremiah by which he is literally shocked. He he said, wow, he understood something which is of great importance. What was it? That's basically that literally within a couple of years, within two years, within literally two years, this prophecy of Jeremiah that 70 years uh, Jews were going to be, Hebrews were going to be in captivity is coming to an end. Okay. What does that mean? 
It means basically that they should come out of captivity, out of Babylon, back to Jerusalem. So this is a huge news for Daniel. Sure, return to Jerusalem. He understood this, and it's a big news. But why is it that immediately after that, Daniel kind of falls like that? He's into fasting. He puts on a sackcloth. He, he's mourning. He, he's mourning. Why is he doing that? That's a good question. A really important question. <laughs> yeah. The reason the reason he's doing it is can be not, none other, but he's he turns around and he says, "Oh God, I wonder if if these people who who have been in this captivity mm-hmm. for sixty eight years are any better than mm-hmm. the people who were taken into captivity?" You know. So he's fearful uh, then already. That yeah, he he, mm. he says, well, this may not happen. That's his fear. His sure. fear is that captivity will continue and this prophecy okay. will not be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So that's really what is going on here. Wow. Look, look what it says in the book of Jeremiah and sure. even in Second Chronicles. This is literally what uh, what Daniel read. Okay. Yeah. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to mm-hmm. bring you back to this place. Right. That's a beautiful promise. Absolutely. Daniel is reading. He says, yeah, yeah, we, we are going back. But then he turns around. He says, but these people, they are kind of the same as they were before. So will God fulfill this? They don't seem to be ready. Yeah. Who is God, they, who is well, God exactly. going to bring back? Yeah. Okay. That's his fear. And look what it says in Jeremiah. He continues and reads. And it says in Jeremiah, then you will call on me and come and pray to me. Mm-hmm. And I will listen to you. Do you get it? Yes. Yes. So that's what he started doing. That's exactly what he starts doing. It's like an invitation to prayer, to intercessory prayer. Mm, mm. So Daniel straight away, after he understood, starts fasting, puts mm. on a sackcloth. Mm-hmm. He starts praying and he is so focused on this intercessory prayer. Mm-hmm. And look what it says uh, in verse three. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. So fasting, sackcloth, and ashes, this is like a mask of death. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, God, if you do not resurrect, if you will, these people, we are dead. We are not better. If you don't do a miracle, we are just, we are just dead. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not going to happen. He was deeply concerned. He was deeply troubled by this. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And look, and then he starts praying. And, and when he starts praying, he constantly says, we have sinned and mm-hmm. done wrong. We have been wicked and rebelled. Yeah. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke mm-hmm. in our name, yeah. in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Mm-hmm. So Daniel counts himself as a sinner. Which is interesting, isn't it? Which is very interesting. When you read until now, you, you don't find a fault with Daniel. He's kind of perfect. But here is a point. Here's my question then. Mm-hmm. Is Daniel faking this thing? Okay. Why is he saying we? Does he really feel that he's a sinner? Or he's mm-hmm. faking when he says we? I propose to you right. that he's not faking it. Right. He also feels that he's a sinner. So this goes to what even Ellen White says, you know, and that is the closer we come to Christ, the more aware we are of our sinfulness. Mm-hmm. 
and and a righteousness which is like a like a filthy rag. So he was so close to God that he didn't find himself worth it. So he's not faking when he says we have sinned. Mm. And yet he is a sinner. So he counts himself to be in the company of sinners. Sure. And I think that's a very, very important message. There is no, there is no this self-righteous attitude within Daniel. Mm. He genuinely feels that these people and him, including himself, simply do not deserve to go back and to go out of, 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 of captivity. Mm. Mm. And uh, that, so therefore he totally relies on God's grace. Totally mm. relies on God's grace. Which is quite amazing. No wonder he was given this duty to carry these messages that we have been studying about. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And the name of God in chapter 9 is Yahweh, is mentioned in this chapter seven times. Okay. And we know that God Yahweh is God of history, he's God of covenant, he's God of future. So obviously you have here the name of God, which, which is to do with God, the faithfulness to the covenant, faithfulness to his promises, faithfulness, God of history, you see. So he's relying on this Yahweh God to, to take them out because of his grace and not because they deserve it. Mm, mm, okay. So that's, that's really, really what's going on. Okay. What is also interesting then is God gave to to Jews 70 years of captivity because of of their unfaithfulness. Yes. What is really interesting is that it's not 50, 60 or 39 <laughs> or 71 or but but really he gave them 70 years. In second chronicles and this is something that Daniel himself might have read. Mhm. It says this, he carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God. He carried it uh, into exile to Babylon, the remnant. Mm -hmm. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rests all the time of its desolation. It rested until the 70 years. So it's interesting that these 70 years are regarded in the scriptures as sabbatical rest. Mm. Okay, so already there you kind of have an inference to therefore year principle. Sure. You follow me? Okay. Okay. And at the end of these 70 years comes Cyrus. And, and Cyrus, God regards Cyrus as a Messiah, as a deliverer. He calls mm -hmm. him the Messiah. Yeah? Sure. He was Look gonna what God his people. says in the book of Isaiah about Cyrus. It says, he's my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. And of the temple, let, it, let its foundation be laid. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right. right hand I take hold of. I will go before you and will leave the mountains. I will give you riches so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of years before Cyrus even comes to the scene, he calls him by night. So he was a, a prophecy of a type of Messiah. For the sake of Jacob, my servant of Israel, my chosen, I call you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. At the end of 70 years comes the Messiah yeah. by the name Cyrus. And literally, he's mm -hmm. the one who also gives a, a decree for Jews to go back. Because there were three decrees were given, and one of those was the decree of Cyrus. Right. There was another one by Darius, Darius and, yeah. and, and one by Artaxerxes, obviously. And then... Yeah. 
Now, is the first. Yeah. Okay. Yes. What happens after this is quite quite interesting. Uh, as Daniel is praying, as Daniel understands one thing, mm-hmm. suddenly Gabriel, who gave him a vision in a previous chapter, comes to him. He comes to him according to verse 21 of chapter 9 about the time of an evening sacrifice. It it doesn't sound that it's a coincidence. As a messenger from God, he starts to tell him about the vision. There is no vision in chapter 9. There is no vision. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Would he be referring about the one that we saw in chapter 8 that he didn't understand anything about? You know, it's 2,300 years. Obviously. Mm. Obviously. Okay. So in verse 21, it says, Well, well, I was still uh, in prayer. Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Right. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. This is interesting. Remember that in previous chapter, Daniel is beyond understanding. And then in chapter 9, he understood about 70-year prophecy. But now Gabriel comes to give him understanding. Mm. So what kind of understanding? Of that which he did not understand, which is in chapter 8. Sure. So it goes beyond anything that Daniel knew so far. Exactly. And more specifically about this time period of Yom Kippur. Okay. Of cleansing of a sanctuary. Yeah. So in verse 23, it says, as soon as you began to pray, an answer was given. Answer was given. Who gave the answer? God gave the answer, which I have come to tell you for your highly esteem. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Mm. So the word to understand is one of the key words of chapter nine. Okay. Chapter 8 finishes with him not understanding. Chapter mm-hmm. 9 starts with him understanding. Then Gabriel comes and he says, I have come to give you insight and understanding. Mm. And then in verse 25, he says, know and understand. And so constantly there is this emphasis on understanding, understand. Mm. So this is kind of a mental exercise. Yeah. Right. So what is it that Gabriel wants him to understand? So here it is. He starts in verse 24, and he says, 70 weeks, uh, some other translations say 77s, mm-hmm. decreed. The, the, the expression decreed uh, there is in Hebrew language, we translate it as cut off or apportioned from somewhere. Okay, so like cut off, like uh, taken from somewhere. Taken from, exactly. So this is not the full time, it comes from another bigger time. Okay. Yeah, uh, for your people and holy city. Mm -hmm. So it is in relation to the people and to the city. And look what is going to take place within this period of 70 uh, 70 weeks. Look what will what will happen mm-hmm. to finish transgression. Yeah. So within this period, somehow transgression will be finished. Right. What does that mean to put an end to sin. Okay. Within this seventy-week period, the sin, the, the the problem of sin will be resolved. Right. Yeah. To atone for wickedness. Right. To bring in everlasting righteousness. These are huge. 
goals which will be accomplished. Well, yeah, within a short time, if you think about it. Within the period of 70 weeks. Mm. Later on, we are going to read that Gabriel tells him exactly who is going to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. And when in the within this uh, prophetic period is this going to be accomplished. Right. So, in verse 25, yeah. if you follow, if you have your Bible, look at what it says. Yes. Know and understand this. See again an emphasis on knowing and understanding. Yeah. Sure. Yes. It's a mental exercise. He is imploring him, please think. I want you to understand. Mm-hmm. And then he says, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one. Mm. So whenever decree was given for restoration and rebuilding of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. from that point until the anointed one, until the Messiah comes. Okay. So these 70 weeks be, start in this rebuilding. It starts from that point. Okay. There will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Yes. In other words, there will be altogether 69 weeks. Mm, we're missing from one. The decree, from the decree. Until the anointed one comes or the Messiah comes. So we are expecting the Messiah to come 69 weeks after the decree is is issued. Yeah. To rebuild Jerusalem. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And remember that uh, it is the, the prophecy is about the people and about the city of Jerusalem as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be rebuilt with streets and the trench. But in times of trouble, remember that Jerusalem was destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But then in verse 26, it says after the 62 sevens, Mm -hmm. remember that these 62 sevens or 62 weeks comes after this first initial week, Mm -hmm. which means that this is 69th week. Mm -hmm. So after basically 69 weeks, Mm The anointed one will be cut off. Right. And the language used in, in relation to being cut off is sacrificial language. It's like a sacrifice. Okay. So the Messiah and sacrifice are very related, if you will. Okay. And we'll have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Mm. Remember this, there's always a connection to what happens to people and what happens to Jerusalem. So what we are to follow, what we also want to follow first and foremost, what happens to the Messiah also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. The end will come like a flood. This is to, in relation to Jerusalem. War will continue until the end and desolation have been decreed. And then he comes back to the Messiah again. He says, he will confirm a covenant with many for one week, in one week. Okay. So this is now that last week of 70 weeks. The prophecy. one we were missing, yeah? Correct. In the middle of that seven or one week, mm-hmm. he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. So that is important. In the sure. middle of that week, he will put an end to sacrifice. Mm. Now, so basically, if we can find a starting point when this decree was given, we will find 69 weeks after that 
that anointed one would come. Right. Make sense? Right, yes. Or yes. the Messiah would come. So what is really interesting here is that, that Cyrus came as the Messiah after 70 years, but the Messiah comes in the 70th week. Okay. Cyrus was the, uh, the Messiah of, of a single nation, if you will, which was Israel, because he was the liverer for them. Mm. But at the end of 70 weeks, we have the universal Messiah who is the liverer of the whole of the world. Right, making an end to sins and transgressions. Correct, mm -hmm. correct. And remember, within 70, what happened with 70 years, uh, you know, when you read the prayer of Daniel, he said, we sinned, sins of my people. And it is to do with the local nation, with the single nation. Mm -hmm. But what the Messiah uh, of, uh, of 70 weeks does, he will bring to an end transgression, prophecy, uh, vision will be sealed, everlasting righteousness will be accomplished, mm. wickedness will be uh, atoned for. So this is now universal. This is universal Messiah. This is the Messiah of the whole world. Okay? Right. In fact, you could say that this is the Messiah of Jubilee because 70 weeks times 7 is 490. Mm, and that's and how Jubilee happens every... That's exactly mm. when Jubilee happens, yeah? yeah. Uh, so yeah. prophecy of 70 weeks come as an answer to the prophecy of 70 years, if you will. Sure. So let's come back now to the starting point. So when when is this starting point? Um when was this decree issued? Mm -hmm. What we know historically that there were three decrees issued. Okay. Uh, the first one was in 538 by Cyrus. Mm -hmm. And what we know is that about 50,000 Jews returned back to Jerusalem, according to Ezra 264. About 5,400 5, articles returned back to, to, uh, to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And the decree was given to rebuild the temple. Right. Cyrus gives the decree to rebuild the temple. Now, the second decree was given uh, by Darius. Darius the first. Yes. And it was given in 519 BC. Mm. Uh, and it was really confirmation of Darius's decree. And the last and the third and the last one was given by Artaxerxes. Okay. This is the last one, the mm -hmm. most thorough decree. And this one includes reconstruction of the temple and establishing of administration over Jerusalem. This is the most comprehensive one. Okay. It is the only decree which mentions God's intervention, immediate change of la uh, uh, language from Arabic, Aramaic into Hebrew. Oh, interesting. In the book of Ezra. Right. And this decree was issued in the spring of 457. Okay. Most of biblical scholars, many biblical scholars, take this year as the starting year. So if the year is 457. Yeah. So that's the starting year. So now if we start counting, how do we count? Is this 490 days? Mm -hmm. And where would this take us? Okay. 490 days after wouldn't take month. us too far, I don't think. It would not. It, it doesn't take us to any significant time. Mm -hmm. But if we take a, a one day for one year principle, mm -hmm. which we used before, it makes sense to use it again. Yes, and we mentioned already, in, in, according to the First Chronicles, that these 
these are sabbatical, if you will, years. Then, basically, we are talking about literal 490 years. Right. But let me give you uh, an immediate context of why we should consider this as a day-for-year principle. Okay. In chapter 10 of the book of Daniel, we read this. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of an immediate context. Yes. Because it follows straight away after chapter 9 and what happened with this, uh, with this vision. Mm-hmm. It says this, At that time I, Daniel, mourned for three and then in Hebrew says this, three weeks of days. Okay. Do you follow me? What what verse is that, Zinni? That's verse 2, 10, 2. Okay. Yes, at yes. At that time, I'll repeat it again. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks of days. Okay. Here is a question. Why is Daniel saying three weeks of days? Why isn't he just saying, I mourned and I fasted and I prayed? For three weeks. Mm. Why is he saying days? Here is the know. answer. Okay. Because he wants normal way normal way of saying is I, I mourned for three weeks. Sure, yes. But he's saying of days so as to distinguish between the weeks, the seventy week period, which was prophetic one, which is prophetic one. Mm-hmm. From literal three weeks of days. Right. right. Do you see it? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, there is no point for Daniel to say that he mourned and fasted for three weeks of days. It's a very awkward, unusual way of saying it. If you say to me, I was in hospital, let's say, for three weeks, would you say to me I was in hospital for three weeks of days? You would say, Not at all. What? <laughs> what? It's not normal to say it that way. Right, right. So but they he had an intention. Exactly. He's saying for three weeks of days to distinguish between these days as being different from 70-week period of days. So that is kind of a context which gives us a clue, also a clue that this is a day for a year principle. Okay? Um, yes. So if we basically then go... And, 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 and let's just say that the Bible of the Old Testament is full of examples. The, the principle of sabbatical years is, is very clear. So in mm-hmm. Jewish culture, sabbatical would come at the end of seven years. But what is it based on? It's based on one day for one year principle. So that right. the land would be rested after seven years. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So... So this this one day for one year principle is well established within within the economy, if you will, of 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 of, of a Hebrew as a nation. All right. So okay, yeah. if we now go from the year four hundred and fifty seven and go mm-hmm. sixty nine weeks, it would take okay. us to the year twenty seven A.D., which is okay. the year of the Anointed One or the Messiah. So what happened on the year 27, in the year 27? Jesus was what? Baptized. Baptized. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's when his ministry starts. That's when his ministry starts. When he came out of baptismal water, Jordan River, mm-hmm. the Spirit of God 
fluttered in the form of dove above his head, and the voice of the Father said, This is my Son with whom I well pleased. So he is literally anointed by the Spirit of God for the public ministry that he starts mm. to do. What also happened that same year, within a couple of weeks, is Jesus went to Nazareth, and in his native synagogue, he opens the Scriptures. In Isaiah, and he reads this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Which mm, is the anointed one that was talking of before. To proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And this is now the language of Jubilee because prisoners will be set free. So seven times seven is 49 or 490 years. You have the Messiah coming at the end of Jubilee and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of Lord's favor. This is the language of Jubilee. Okay. So on the year 27, Jesus proclaims Jubilee and that he is the Messiah of Jubilee and that he is going to start to work on exactly what it says in verse 24, which is what? To finish transgression, to put an end to sin, mm. to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Yeah? Mm. Mm. To seal up mm. vision and prophecy. Mm. And to one. confirm those prophecies. Yeah. So, but then what is left is one week. And what we read is that right. in the middle of that week, he will be cut off. The Messiah will be yes. cut off. And that's exactly three and a half years later, Jesus was crucified on the cross. Mm. All that is left now is three and a half years. And that's the year when literally this happened, what, what Gabriel said would happen within this 70-year period. It happened, in other words, within this one week. More precisely, right. it happened within three and a half years. More yeah. precisely, it happened on, in just literally one day, which is Jesus put an end to sin, mm. atone for wickedness of people, and he brought uh, uh, everlasting righteousness through his sacrifice. And, and that's literally what happened. So all that is left now is three and a half years, which brings us to the year 33 AD. And that's basically when many believe that's when Stephen was stoned and killed okay. by Jews. And remember that right. these 70 weeks are given also to Jews as a nation after which the, uh, the gospel is going to be proclaimed not only to Jews, but also to Gentiles. Mm-hmm. But let us remember, because Gabriel came to give understanding to Daniel about previous vision. And this period of 490 years was cut out or decreed or taken out of a longer time period. Yeah. Which is 300 evenings and mornings. Yes. But what we know now, according to the knowledge given from Gabriel, is that we have a starting point now. Mm. The starting point is a decree given to rebuild Jerusalem, which is 457. So if you go from the year 457 and you go 2,300 years, this takes you to 1843, 1844. And what will happen then? The sanctuary is going to be cleansed. It is talking about the ministry of judgment or Yom Kippur, which will start in heaven. Remember now that this is everything to do 
with universal judgment. This is no longer mm. to do with just Jewish judgment, but we take right. information from a Jewish sanctuary to understand the concept of God's judgment. Okay? Yeah. So obviously, the judgment that starts in heaven, according to chapter 7 of the book of Daniel, would start in the year 1843-1844. So basically, the 70-week prophecy takes us to the point of redemption. That is the focal point of the 70-week prophecy. The focal point yeah. of 2,300 and mornings or 2,300 years is judgment or Yom Kippur. So, yeah. redemption would happen in the year 27. Judgment would happen later on in the year 1844. And according to the book of Revelation, what we know is that at the end of time, just before the second coming of Jesus, the message that people need to hear is, the message of redemption, because it is the message about the everlasting gospel that every nation, tribe, and language, and people need to hear. And it is that the judgment of God has come. So it is message of redemption, it is message of judgment, and it is a message about creator God. That's basically it. And, and remember, as I said before, all along, Gabriel says to Daniel and through Daniel to us, Please understand, please understand, please understand. Our understanding will give, uh, give rise to us being excited about it because we know now that Jesus died exactly on spe in specific year. We know now that the year of, 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 of universal judgment that started taking place in heaven took place, uh, started taking place in 1844. This we yeah. need to understand. And this tells us that God is our God of history. And now, once mm. judgment is finished, the second coming of Jesus takes place. This is just simply beautiful. Yeah, what an amazing prophecy. Everything lines up perfectly yeah. once we dig into study it and understand, like yeah. you said. And I like what you said that, you know, as we understand, it brings our faith to have a, to, to be stronger. Exactly. And I always remember the words of Christ when he's saying that I told you all this stuff before it comes to pass so that when it comes to pass, you may believe. And I think this applies to the book of Daniel. Correct. So our understanding encourages our faith and our faith encourages our understanding. It goes both, goes both ways. Yeah, it fits yeah. from each other. What an amazing thing to see that in this prophecy we have everything that we literally needed to know for our salvation, for our belief, for our restoration. I mean, all those tasks that you mentioned from verse 24 that to finish transgression and to make an end of sins and to reconcile the people, you know, the atonement and to bring everlasting righteousness and seal up the prophecies. It's just an amazing thing. Only Christ, only God could have done that. Yes. And look, um, as, as, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, there's something we, have, yeah. we can offer to people and say, our God is God of history. He already redeemed us. Mm. And because He's right. also our judge, right. we have nothing to fear. We have n nothing to fear because those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Right. So we are 
state. Right. They are re reconciled to God again. And you know, living in this time when there is so much anxiety in the world and with this coronavirus and mm. so much that this country has gone for and have gone yes. through and the, and the world and, 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 and uh, it gives us an insight and say we know that these things are going to happen and we know what is happening in heaven. We are coming ever so closer to the glorious second coming of Jesus, you know. Mm, absolutely, amen. We're living in very, very uh, interesting times and as well as very close times to that coming of Christ as He is ministering for us, as you mentioned. Exactly. So there you have it, family. Until next time, we hope that you continue to study the book of Daniel. We will be talking about Daniel chapter 10, and I hope that you find the hope that we have found as we study this chapter, as we discuss the intricacies that God has left for us to understand, believe, and strengthen our faith by. Until we discuss chapter 10 next time, I hope that you hold strong unto the faith. For Zeni and I have chosen to follow Christ, the same one who reveals all these prophecies in the book of Daniel. So, we love God. How about you? Remember to subscribe to this podcast, like it, share it, hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you. Thank you.